one of the most undervalued parts of the college process is actually making a successful transition to college. The 32% of students who don't make it to sophomore year in the United States can attest to the difficulties involved. Today, we're going to take a deeper look at those challenges and how to best address them for kids who are going to college for the first time. Welcome to the Highway to Higher Ed, the podcast that considers issues facing students applying to college as they attempt to make the transition into higher education. I'm your host, Alex W. Merrill. I'm joined today by independent college counselor and educational consultant, Dana Ponsky. Dana earned her BA from the University of Maryland and a master's from Bowling Green State University in college student personnel and a post-master's certificate in enrollment management from the University of Miami. She began her career as a career counselor and eventually directed orientation and first-year programming at several colleges, including the University of Michigan. She transitioned to the high school setting in 2009, where she served as a school-based college counselor And in 2018, Dana shifted her focus to working full-time on her business as an independent college and educational consultant and entrepreneur. Today, Dana supports high school and college students, families, schools, and youth leadership programs with programming services to guide students to and through the college admissions process. Dana, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Now, which, uh, which school are you at right now? So I'm currently helping support grow the college counseling office at the Idea School, which is located in Tenafly, New Jersey. So oh, okay. I'm um, a little glutton for punishment. I have two full-time jobs. I'm wow. starting a college counseling office, and I run wow. my full-time college counseling independent practice. So um, I've always had two dream jobs, own a business and start a college counseling office. I just happen to be doing them both at the exact same time. <laughs> you know what? Beggars can't be choosers. There you go. Right. <laughs> so it's a, it's a wonderful experience to go through and they both help to inform each other, which is a really nice, it's a really nice opportunity for me. Cool. Rewind back a little bit and tell us, you know, how you sort of got into college consulting. What sort of drew you into that field in particular? So my story kind of starts with us in high school. I never had a college counselor. I was a solo educational consultant for myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) My parents both went to college and they were very supportive, but I was a very motivated student and I really had um, an enjoyment getting, this was at the time, free internet where you could get the Peterson's Guide of approximately 3,000 pages that were paper, like really paper thin. And I loved reading this guide. I loved learning about these colleges and I just thought it was going to make me an excellent participant in Jeopardy or Trivial Pursuit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) I did a, you know, I really enjoyed that process. And then I went to college and graduate school and, um, you know, focused on working with students in higher education. While I was at a university called Barry University in Miami, Florida, I was the um, director of orientation, first year programming, retention programming, leadership development. And I started realizing that a lot of my students were at the university did not necessarily know why they were there and were not very well prepared for the college experience. And my Mm. job was to keep them there. And I'm thinking, this is really hard. And that's when I actually learned about this 
career known as college counseling. And so what I started doing on my own private time was started to get involved in organizations like College Summit, which is now called Peer Forward. And I started doing college access. And that's where I learned about this really interesting job as a college counselor. I transitioned from the university setting to a high school setting to do just that, help kids take this useless data bank that I had had and now make it applicable to helping people. This is going into my 13th year of focusing on working with mostly high school students and their families to navigate this process. And it's um, been a wonderful experience for me because it takes the expertise that I gained while being on the higher ed side and bringing that into the high school side and really help bridging those two worlds for the betterment of my students. Well, you've brought up an excellent point. I think there's actually kind of an intimate link between the process of determining where you're going to school and your success in staying at that school. As you say on your website, what you intend to do is meet the student where they are and help them find the right college and navigate the college admissions process with as little anxiety as possible. Can you explain how you simplify the process for students? To me, the college process has gone from something like I said I did by myself when I was a teenager back in the 90s, where it was not a very complicated process at that point. It was figure out schools that matched your grades and your test scores and then apply to them. And now it's just a completely different beast. And I think that because my focus is so strong on meeting students where they're at, that is simply what actually reduces the anxiety of the process. I think what we have conditioned our Mm -hmm. students to believe is that there is a box and everyone should fit into that box. And I do not espouse to that theory. I believe that Mm -hmm. there are boxes and they are all different shapes and sizes. And my job is to help identify the student and what box they would you know, fit into that works best for them so that they can be the most successful. And I think that when we focus on that and who they are as people and who they are now and who they want to be, immediately looking and identifying colleges and programs that match that part of who they are immediately takes away a significant level of the anxiety. You know, I look at every single student as a complete individual, and I work really hard to get them to stop thinking as themselves as a member of a community and really actually for the first time focus on who they are as individuals. And once you get over that little hurdle, it it makes for a much more seamless process. Could you maybe just illustrate what one of those would what, what type of kid do you sort of see and you say, okay, here's this box? Um, I'm, I'm just hoping to sort of illustrate that. I've worked with a student who they came to the college counseling experience wanting just ideas, not just the names of colleges. They wanted ideas about what they could do next. Mm-hmm. And in talking mm-hmm. with that student and really trying to understand why were they struggling in high school, and I came to learn and understand it was the structure of the high school experience and the expectations of English, math, science, social studies, foreign language, electives, that just became so inhibiting and just so mm-hmm. complicated that I said to the student, what would you love to have in an experience, you know, your perfect life scenario for a college, what would you love to have? And they go, I just don't want to be told exactly what I have to do every single time I take a class. And I said, oh, well, there are plenty of schools that are like that. That pretty well sums up high school right there. (laughs) And And it also sums up a lot of colleges. So I said, all right, well, then let's go look for those colleges that exist throughout the United States who value that type of education, where it's allowing students the ownership to build the education they want so that they can meet their specific short and long-term goals. From that, I was able to come back with a list of colleges that 
had exactly what that student was looking for, but prior to our conversations, did not even think college was an opportunity. It's been very empowering for that student. And I think that that's what my, that's where my goals are is to just meet them where they're at and realize there are multitudes of opportunities available. That's amazing. Um, So identity building. What is your favorite part about the college process? And what is your least favorite part about the college process? My most favorite part, to be honest, is the moment that a student presses the submit button. And in that moment, I cannot tell you how many of my students hesitate because I think for them, it's the culmination of a lot of hard work. And now they're going to be judged. My job sitting there is you should be so proud of yourself. Hmm. You have created an application that is is a great representation of who you are. And now you're presenting yourself to the world. Because almost every one of my students says, can you please be there when I press submit? Mm. And it's not, mm. their, it's not always mm-hmm. their parents that are there. It's, it's me. And I think that that's a very intimate moment to have where we've built up to that. I mean, is there any ever a case where you would recommend not applying early for a student? Yeah, yeah. Uh, typically a student who struggled maybe in ninth and 10th, 10th and 11th, ninth, 10th and 11th, or they've struggled initially and really needed the momentum that they've gathered in 11th grade when they've started to mature, that momentum, I usually say to them, you know, if you apply too early, you're only looking in your first three years in most cases. But right. if you wait until the regular decision deadline or the middle of the year, they're going to get three and a half. And for some students who've mm. really made a turn things around in 11th grade, now they've got three semesters of showing improvement. Right. And I think colleges really appreciate that. They would rather have a student wait. Um, to hmm. submit an application so that it presents the best foot forward rather than rush through something and then not have that data point. And usually a student that is struggling academically is probably not going to be applying to some of the most elite schools. Like So I usually kind of break down schools between selective, highly selective, and hyper-selective. So even if a school is bordering on maybe selective and highly selective for a student who maybe have struggled, the strategy of applying early action probably isn't as much as if this kid was like, oh, I have to apply to a hyper-selective school. It's already kind of like playing the lottery anyway. So the Mm. strategy doesn't have to play as much because they're usually not applying to hyper-selective schools if they've struggled significantly early in high school. Yeah. And what about your least favorite part of the college process? My least favorite is when a student has worked really hard and maybe does not get into a school that they really wanted. There's a real, you know, sadness that comes with that student getting, and for many students, it's the first time they've been rejected. I sit on the phone with them or I'm a Zoom call and I'm with their parents and I literally say to them, you have 24 hours and then we have to start moving forward. When we hit a roadblock, we have to push, figure out a way to get through it. And with my students, I say, this is why we don't just apply to one college. Let's start refocus and look at why we liked those other nine that made the list. And I kind of have to go into counselor mode. And I'm not a counselor by training, but, you know, working with schools for so long and working with students, you, you know, I have a, a knack for being able to meet you know, 18 sure. year olds, even though I'm, I'm over my forties, but meeting 18 year olds and just saying, I get it. It's terrible. It's annoying. It's frustrating. It's disappointing. You got 24 hours. Um, that actually segues, you know, the next question really, which is about how clearly your website lays out the three phases of the college process. The, the three are preparation, guidance, and creation. Explain those three phases and your thinking there. So I have come up with those kind of three categories 
partially because when families initially reach out to me, their perception is that this college process is gigantic and that it is unmanageable. And so what I try to do with families is I break down my services so that they can say, you know what, maybe my student just needs help with essays. Maybe my student just needs help with creating a college list. And they don't need every single service that comes with college counseling. And so what I try to do with my families is explain to them, you can have me on board as part of your village for the entirety of everything that's on these three kind of silos, so to speak, Mm -hmm. but also that you can break this process down so that if you just want to focus on the preparatory part, we can do that. And then if you're, once you're ready for the creation part or the guidance part, we can do that. So it's allowing them to kind of see it in manageable parts so that then it creates a bigger whole. And I think that that's part of the anxiety reducing process is to help families make compartmentalize it in a way that's going to make it manageable and something that they can grasp and immediately say, okay, I don't have to worry about everything starting off. Well, you're definitely, you're preaching to the choir there. I mean, the, the, yeah. the entire foundation of our, our organization really is combining personal and academic. Right. Like to me, those things are inextricable. If a kid hates a teacher, they're just not going to learn anything from it. It's, it's funny you say that because I talk to my students and I'll say to them, what is your favorite subject and least favorite? And I go, but I don't want to know about the relationship you have with the teacher. I just want to know if you like the they subject. Can't do it. And they, they have can't. a really hard yeah. time. Yeah. They're like, but it's so important. And I said, yes, but you're always going to interact with people at some point you might not like, but it doesn't, it can't interfere with your ability to do your job. But it's something that you have to focus on right then and now because you either got to get a paycheck or unfortunately you got to get a grade you got to do your job. And sometimes we have people that may seem like they get in our way. Well, what are we going to do to dig deep to get through? Are there any other stories of uh, triumph or failure that you uh, want to share? Well, I think part of it is I I don't actually believe in failure. (laughs) I believe everything happens exactly as it should. Yeah, it's a little bit harder to kind of explain that to some other people and to get them on board. I don't believe that any of my students have ever failed. I believe my students have not got what they wanted, but I believe very wholeheartedly that they've all gotten what they've needed. And I think that the need comes from a place of getting a phone call a year, you know, a year later going, you were right. This is such a great school. I did never would have imagined that this would have been the right place for me. Or you're right. This is not the right major for me. I took a couple of classes and you were right. That subject seems like a lot more interesting. So I don't look at anything that my students do that might not meet the goal they have set as a failure. I look at it as an opportunity for them to find what it is that they're looking to or that's going to make them much more successful later on. One thing that stuck out to me in discussing Dana's background um, and experience as a college consultant is her embracing of the anxiety. I think oftentimes that is uh, avoided or rejected or uh, certain attitudes, I guess, of intolerance. Really, I think that the best approach to anxiety really is to embrace it um, and to accept that it's there. Another thing that stuck out to me in the conversation about Dana's background was her, what I would call, acts of identity formation. Often, I guess, I see the college process as sort of an endpoint or a, a functional sort of event in their life rather than a, a cathartic one. It can be a real moment of crisis or triumph. 
And that can shift, I think, the way that they actually think about themselves. You know, what are your thoughts on uh, how to best support kids as they make that leap into higher education? It, there's so many parts to the transition to higher ed, but I think what's probably the most important part is, and this actually kind of speaks to family members of students who are maybe earlier in high school, I think allowing your student to have disappointments, allowing your students to have roadblocks along the way, and if you can use the word failures, allowing them to not do well at things is going to help with their transition a lot better. I am actually less interested in how they structure their class time as I am as to what they're going to do when they're not in class. Saying to them, like, what clubs and organizations are you interested in participating in? Kind of know that before you enter the school. And I think that finding just one thing in that time frame that's not when you're sitting in class and maybe not when you're studying is going to connect you to that university community, I think is fundamental to that initial transition process. This is something called the sophomore slump, which is why you actually have a lot of students who transfer after their second year of college, because that first year, year and a half was kind of not the reality of what the remaining part of college is. And so I say to families, give yourself grace. If you are gung-ho at the beginning, it just understand it will peter off and then it will kind of be, hopefully be in a good flow. But if you're not feeling it right off the bat, give yourself some time. And in most cases, it'll start getting better and better. You know, I think that the number I've seen a lot around is 32%. Don't make it to sophomore year. Why would you say that is? Is there, what's your explanation for that? Um, I think there is the world that we don't talk about as much is the financial situation and the financial burden that higher education and its costs have on individuals and their family. And I think that plays a much bigger role in attrition rates being as high as they are because students begin to realize that not just paying for tuition, but just paying for books, paying for housing, paying for entertainment can be very burdensome. And also a lot of scholarships that students receive are based and tied to how they do academically at the university. And so if you don't maintain a 3.0 or a 3.2 in your first year, you lose your scholarship. And that could be $2,000, $3,000, $10,000, making it unaffordable. You know, every college seems to have support services for kids, whether that's tutoring services, uh, tutoring centers. Would you consider those underutilized programs? And how successful would you say those programs are? Every um, university is required to have basic ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act. And so I think that there are more students utilizing them. I think there are a lot of schools that are recognizing the value in having more tutoring or you know, social emotional support and by having bigger counseling centers where they have more staff for writing labs and math labs. So I think that there are more schools that are jumping on board with it to serve the students because as colleges provide more access, they have to provide more services to meet the students where they're at to help them through the process. So I think that the greatest thing we can do for our students in high school, especially, is teach them about self-advocacy so that they understand what services they need to help support them. If you're used to, even if you don't get accommodations, but you're used to meeting with a teacher regularly to help with writing assignments, talk to a college when you're visiting and ask, what are your writing centers like? How, how accessible are they? Can I go at any time? Is it big? Is it small? 
figure out what you're going to need to get through high school is probably the same thing you're going to need when you get to college. Do you think that students sort of face unique challenges today in transitioning to college because of the pandemic? And uh, what are those uh, challenges? One of the things that I have found interesting, in particular within the last year, is I find that a lot of students recognize the value and ease of being close to family. The idea of being far away from, especially from parents and family member in which they may live, I think that I have a lot of students who may have started this process and said, oh, I'll go anywhere in the United States and, and I, I'll take a plane ride. And now it becomes, I'll stick within a four hour radius of where I live. And the comment is, I don't want to be that far away from home. Majority of students in the United States stay within a 25 mile radius of their home. That is the norm. That does not necessarily exist in the Northeast, particularly in the Northeast. You're probably going to start seeing students stay closer to home. So you're going to have more regional universities that are going to potentially have higher numbers of students to apply that maybe would have gone further away. So I think it's really to potentially shift the landscape of where students apply, particularly on the East Coast. Uh, what are some of the obstacles that, I mean, we've alluded to it a little bit, but what are some of the obstacles that parents are facing today in admissions, uh, particularly uh, in light of the pandemic? I think that the biggest obstacle is listening to the news. <laughs> the, the biggest obstacle to this process is to think that this process has become so unruly and so unmanageable that, that it's, it's almost impossible for their student to get to college. There are 3,000 universities in this country, and I can guarantee that every student in the United States will get into at least one. And I think that the reality is, is that we have students who are going to schools we've never heard of that are becoming doctors and lawyers and engineers and owning their own businesses. And as, and as parents, I'm constantly saying, your student's social emotional well-being has to supersede the name recognition of a university. And we need to look at this process as college is not the same as it was 25 years ago when you were there. College and the process of getting in was not the same when you went to college. It's it a is tough different. adjustment in attitude. Yeah. It is. But at the same time, I think that for parents, especially after the pandemic and everything, it's be very tuned in to the social emotional well-being of your students and understand that we as adults have dealt with such a blow over the last year and a half. Students are dealing with much differently and we don't really know those long-term effects. So I think we just really have to kind of understand and, and, and push where they need to be pushing and back off where they need to back off. But when it comes to the college process, we only talk about 25 schools in this country and there are so many others. And I think that if you want your student to be happy, healthy, and successful, being open-minded to the remaining 2,925 schools is going to be very helpful in that process. One thing that stuck out to me in discussing the role of financial aid is really the relationship between that and dropout rates, kids who couldn't sort of maintain a, a certain GPA. I would say that's true um, to a certain extent. Perhaps it's the other way around, really. I mean, perhaps it's that they can't make it, yet they sort of are able to cloak that in the GPA thing. I'm sure money plays a huge factor in that, and it's, and it's a reality for, for many of them. But those questions of identity, I think, are just as big. Another point that Dana brought up that I thought was very interesting was self-advocacy. I mean, I think that's probably one of the more key sort of fundamental skills in succeeding in college um, that I think is underappreciated 
I think it takes a certain degree of assertiveness and confidence to be able to do that. Having a little coaching along the way is almost critical in, in that regard. If you're doing that on your own, that feels a little scary, especially when you're in a completely new circumstance. Everything's changed. You've moved out of home. But I do, I do absolutely agree that is so critical to um, success in college. If you could give parents one piece of advice in entering this fall's admission process, what would that be? Focus on fit. Focus on who your student is, who your student thinks they want to be. Understand that there is no one right career. There are thousands of careers that you may not know about today, and there are going to be thousands of careers that don't even exist yet. But focusing on the fit of who your student is today and a somewhat long-term game, but not long-term 25 years, long-term maybe five years, seven years from where they are right now, and plan in that way. But focusing on the fit of location, focusing on the, the academic programs, don't just find a school that has one program that you really like. Find a school that has programs. There's many options. Focusing on the size of the institution, focusing on the services that are available, I think the career development parts of the university career centers, I don't think that families utilize those very well. That is really helpful. If you want to, if your student says, I really want to work for Google, you got to go find schools where Google recruits. That's a helpful thing. Google recruits at way more than just five schools. Fit is just really important. It comes in multiple ways. And as parents, if you can, and family members, if you can go ahead and really focus on that, you're going to have a very successful overall college admissions process and outcome. Switching gears for a second, if you could give students one piece of advice entering the falls admission process, what would that be? Probably the best thing I could say to them is for so long as students, you're told to think about yourself as a member of a community, whether that's a member of your school's community, member of a, of a faith community, a sports community, a theater community. It's always about yourself within the context of something bigger than yourself. The college admissions process is really about the individual and how you as an individual might thrive in a place that has multitudes of communities within it. And so I think that it, it does tie back to the focus on fit, but I think talking to students and saying now is the time to actually stop thinking of yourself as a member of a community and start thinking of yourself simply as an individual. What do you want? What are your challenges? What are your limitations? What does your perfect life that you don't actually have, what do you want it to look like? Not what do your family members want it to look like, your friends want it to look like, your teachers, just what do you want? And so often my students might say to me, nobody's ever asked me that. They want me to make a decision about, do I want to join this community? And I go, yes, but I just want to know what you want. And so I think that's a good place for students to focus on the individual wants. So say you had a student going off to college. What would you, what would you say to that student? Have fun. I think, I think I say that from a person who's, you know, been at home like everyone else for so long. I just think that that's the most fun part is just to say, have fun, whatever that means to you. That could be have fun in class, enjoy the subjects that you're going to be exposed to, have fun meeting people that you're going to really like and people you really don't like, have fun trying things that you've never heard of before. 
um, there's a, you know, a, a famous, you know, idea, do one new thing every day that scares you. Mm. I, I say that to my students, when you're on campus, just every day, do something different. It could simply be go in a different path to class, but be very conscious to push yourself beyond the boundaries of what is the most comfortable, because that's where you're going to really begin to connect. There is a lot of enjoyment to be had. And, um, it's okay that if some stuff doesn't work, it's okay if your friend group that you started with at the beginning of college is not the friend group you had sophomore year, it's okay. Um, and just give yourself the grace, give yourself the patience, give yourself the encouragement, and do one thing every day that scares you. Here are some overall themes that I noticed in my conversation with Dana about college admissions and college transition, it was interesting that she pointed out there's an intimate connection between finding the right school and succeeding there. The placement has almost everything to do with how well you can succeed there. But I think that completely undervalues that cultural element and just all the complexity of that concept of confidence that underlies a lot of success. You have to have some sort of self-belief, right? I think a lot of that has to do with you fit into your surroundings. Another point that we brought up frequently in our discussion was, you know, what she put as there's no failure. Rejection in the college process isn't a, isn't a failure at all. In fact, it's sort of meant to happen that way. It's a signal that that school wasn't right for you. But I think there's a lot of fate in the college process. I'm very much a believer that we end up where we're supposed to be. Lastly, I would say, you know, the one theme of our conversation was that you need to find the right program for you. I think college consultants are sort of hardened. There's dreams that have crystallized for these kids and their parents and the people around them. They are very demanding and wanting that particular dream to come true. And I think so a lot of college consultants, I think, are want to sort of to shatter that. Some things you just can't control. Dana's been doing it for a long time. The clients that she first started serving are in their career, like have, have gone out and, and started their lives so she can sort of see the track of their life as well. It's important to keep that in mind. It's not an end goal. Um, it's just a start, really. But I think it's easy to lose track of that. Thanks for listening to Highway to Higher Ed, the podcast that helps the parents of today's rising college stars navigate the obstacles in college admissions to find the best possible college match and help them thrive once they get there. If you like this episode, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. 